Hello everyone and welcome back to the Underground Mess Hall, Finn McHale here. Today we've got another episode review for the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 2, The Tribes of Tatooine. Interestingly, we got answers to more questions than I initially thought we would have, so I'm excited to get into this review. Also, spoiler warning as I will be discussing what happens in this episode. This episode starts off with the interrogation of the Crimson Guard man that Fennec captured. He's not talking, and Boba threatens to kill him, so he has one of the Gamorreans hold their blade to his neck. He still won't talk, which prompts Boba to ask why he won't speak despite him sparing his life. 8D8, the smelter droid who works for Boba Fett now, informs them and the audience that the man is a member of the Order of the Nightwind. So these are guys who are assassins for hire, and they're infamous for not speaking as well as being afraid of no man apparently. Fennec and Boba are skeptical of this, so Fennec goes as far as to say that the Rancor will scare him and hits the trapdoor button. So the assassin falls through, and as the Rancor cage opens, the assassin finally breaks and says the mayor, Mokshai, has hired them. However, he's dumbfounded and embarrassed when the cage fully opens, and only a mouse comes out. This is because the Rancor's been dead since Return of the Jedi. So with that, Boba, Fennec, and the Gamorreans take the assassin to the mayor's office. There's this funny scene where the clerk and then the Major Domo won't let Boba see Mok Shai's because he doesn't have an appointment. Ooh, bureaucracy at work, baby. So Boba just barges in out of frustration just to get to the point. While Mok Shai's is a bit upset at the barging in, he's nonetheless very and oddly pleasant to them. We also see that Mok is an Ithorian who uses a translator that's placed on the sides of his neck. Boba asks him why he hired the assassins, which prompts an interesting response. Mock notes that he's a member of the Order of the Nightwind and has one of his guards shoot him. This catches everyone off guard and Mock has the Major Domo pay Boba and the gang a reward for bringing in the assassin. Boba says he'll take this as the tribute he should have given and says he's not a bounty hunter. Mock's response here is interesting as it shows he's way more up to speed and knows his role in Mos Espa and is aware of, let's just say, everybody's employment history. Mock says that isn't what he heard, and that Boba sits on the throne of his former boss. This ticks Boba off into replying that Bib Fortuna wasn't his boss. Mock then says his former boss was Jabba the Hutt. He then says he'll give another tribute to Boba, with the advice being that running a family is more complicated than bounty hunting. Mock also notes that he knows he serves at Boba's pleasure, and he should go to Sanctuary and talk to Garza Flip. Intrigued, Boba and the gang go to Sanctuary and Garza meets with them and she tries to get them to a table. We can see that she's extremely nervous and anxious, to which Boba points out and says Mock told him to talk to her about something he should know. This is where we get a bombshell and not only did Jabba have cousins who go by the twins, but they are here to take all of Jabba's former holdings. Boba says that can't be possible as they should still be dealing with all the nasty business and debauchery on now Hutta, the homeworld of the Huts. However, this is quickly broken up as a drum is heard and a litter, alongside a procession, comes around a street corner carrying two Huts, the twins. The one on the left is purple and pink, while the one on the right is green and sickly yellow, and they both bear face tattoos on their foreheads and their bottom lip, respectively. Boba and the gang meet them outside to which the brother of the twin says he and Boba have to talk some business. Boba tells him that this is his territory, to which a drummer presents a tablet containing details of Jabba's holdings and the state I would presume. Boba rejects it and says he's the daimyo of Mos Espa, 
The twins laugh at this and ask if it's true. And while this happens, a badass looking Wookiee comes up from the side of their litter. So this guy's name is Black Kersantan, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And he is scary and a badass. So he's a black Wookiee with golden eyes, some silver streaks in his hair, and has a scar over his left eye. He's wearing a gold battle bracer or baldric that has large spikes on the shoulder pads and carries a heavy blaster. He appears to be even taller than Chewbacca. If I had to describe him, it's like what if Darth Vader looked like a Wookiee and had gold accents and accessories. That's like so dope. After he comes out, Boba states that he's not afraid of any gladiators as Fennec and Kersantan ready their weapons. He also gives the rundown of how he came to power to the twins. So, to recap, when Jabba died, Bib Fortuna basically sat on the throne and took over everything and was the daimyo of Mos Espa. But at the end of The Mandalorian, at least season two, we see Boba Fett come back and kill him and then sits on the throne taking everything back. And so he relates this to the twins and the sister of the twins complains that she wants to kill Boba. So the brother says that bloodshed is bad for business and that they'll talk later, and he's the more patient of the two, as he states earlier as well. So this will get really interesting, and I can't wait to see more of them, especially Kersantan. So after all this goes down, Boba goes back into the healing pod, and we revisit the Tuscan era for Boba Fett and his memories. We see that some time has passed, and he's training with the warrior, who's a female Tuscan, by the way, and this is the warrior that like beat his ass when he was trying to escape them initially. And so he's training him in using the Tuscan staffs or Badurfi sticks. This implies that he's becoming more and more accepted by the tribe and is learning their ways. And we'll see this in a major way later. However, this gets interrupted with a loud roar that's revealed to be a hypertrain. The Tuscans and Boba all hide behind some dunes as the windows on the train open up and pikes, not like laser pikes, but the alien species in Star Wars pikes, begin to fire on them. A Bantha and several Tuscans die from the encounter. This enrages Boba to go to Tashi Station, beat up the bully Nick Nikto miners, excuse me, and steal their speeder bikes. If you don't remember what a Nikto is, it's either Hondo Onaka and like those pirates, or he's the same species as Jedi Master Imagundai. I'm pretty sure he's more of the Hondo Onaka variety, but I'm not sure. They look pretty similar like in the shadows and whatever, so I'd have to go back and clarify. But with that said, let's continue. So he steals the steeder, steeder, ooh, excuse me, the speeder bikes and brings them back and talks to the chief about using them. This is where we find out that not only do the Tuscans actually have a language, but they have a corollary sign language alongside it. That's how Boba Fett is able to communicate with them. He tells the chief that he can train them how to use the speeder bikes and has a plan to stop the hypertrain. We see after what is probably a couple of days, maybe a week of him training them to use the speeder bikes. Afterwards, Boba's plan is set in motion. They ambush the hypertrain as it comes by and prepares to attack the tribe. They're able to start beating the pikes and they eventually crash the train. They gather up all the remaining survivors and Boba asks to speak to the leader. The leader comes forward and Boba tells him about the Tuscan's claim of ancestral lands across the Dune Sea and says that a toll must now be imposed and paid if they want to travel. Boba also tells them the nearest station they can reach, and after protests about no water by the pikes, gives them black gourds. These were the things that Boba was fishing for in chapter 1. 
so Boba says to give these demands to the Pike Syndicate. Later that evening, the chief of the tribe gives Boba a gift for being a good guide. So it's this lizard that ends up crawling up Boba's nose, and the chief tells him to let it guide him. We see Boba go on what appears to be this vision quest in which he sees visions of his life as a child and his father in a roaring desert sea. It ends when he reaches a tree and he snaps a branch. We actually find out that he went out into the desert and picked up a Badurfi branch. He's then taken by some of the Tuscans and is wrapped in black Tuscan robes. These are the same robes that we see him in when he first appears in The Mandalorian. After that is complete, he's taken to carve and fashion his Badurfi branch into a proper Badurfi staff, complete with metal armaments like that of the warrior who trained him. The final scene is that of Boba joining the other adult Tuscans at a fire with his new Badurfi staff, and he begins a war dance with his teacher, the warrior. As they continue the dance and circle the fire, other Tuscans join in, with soon all of them joining in the dance, now with Boba appearing to becoming a member of the tribe. Woo! Talk about an epic episode, man. I really enjoyed everything we got in this chapter. I think one of the biggest things I want to go into first is the mayor and his role in his knowledge. So it appears he's really on the up and up. And I'm not sure if he really did hire them because why would you kill your own assassin? However, in Star Wars and series like that with the drama and it's more about the people, it's possible that he did hire them. But the way he talks about the Fets, or not the Fets, the Huts, and them coming back implies that he's more on Boba Fett's side than the Huts. Although I'm not completely sure. And so he's either in league with them or not. And this leads to the question of who really hired the Order of the Nightwind. Was it the twins or was it the mayor? And that also brings in the question, what about Garza? I don't think Garza's involved because here's the thing. She's very anxious and nervous when Boba comes and meets to talk with her. And I think it's because when you look at Twi'leks in Star Wars, they really get the short end of the stick. Like they're slaves, they're prostituted out. And famous example here, Jabba had Ula as a dancer, but she rejected his advances and so she died in the Rancor pit. So I really think this is why she's on board with Boba Fett's idea of ruling with respect because she doesn't want to, even though she's successful, she knows under the twins, she's in danger at any moment. Speaking with the twins, what I find interesting is this whole business of the now Hutta issues. Here's what I think possibly, and I'll elaborate on this in another episode. What I think the now Hutta business could be is so Jabba was a member of the council of now Hutta, and that's basically the leadership of the Huts. However, in the Clone Wars, he had this little ledger that he got from his uncle that has all the crimes of the Hut Council. So it's possible either something with that or something with Jabba's past came up, or maybe even Rhoda the Hut. I'm not exactly sure, but we'll elaborate on that later. Black Kersantan, oh my god. Talk about an epic introduction. I really can't wait to see more of him. He seems like an interesting character, and from what I looked up, he's actually like a Harley Quinn scenario where he's a comic book character first, but then he shows up in the original medium or not original medium, but he shows up in another medium. So I can't wait to see more of him. I also really hope we get to explore more of who he is. I really hope he doesn't die. 
I really don't want him to die. He's so cool looking, but if he does, hopefully he goes out with a bang. We'll talk about him more, too, in another episode. Then we get to back to the Tuscan era. I really like how we're shown that in the Tuscan era, a lot of development for Boba Fett, and we see that by becoming one with the tribe and how they have such a large respect for the desert and the Dune Sea as their ancestral land, we see how, okay, that influenced their culture and that made them more humble to what the desert is, and thus Boba Fett, by engaging with their tribes and their customs, is now being humbled himself. On top of that, being rewarded for helping them and showing them new ways in order to become a full member, I think was really cool too. Also, the fact that the robes, okay, the narrative consistency there of just saying, nope, 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 this is how we got the robes. I really thought he just like picked up the robes from somewhere. I thought he might have killed a Tuscan. But from the way everything's going, doesn't look like he's really going to turn on them. So I'm really excited to see what happens next. Something tragic might happen. I hope not, but that's probably what's going to happen. Another thing too is the vision quest, it appears to have had Boba Fett confront himself and become more full circle. And so that's why I think he's a new person. That's helped him. Also, the Badurfi staff and that narrative consistency and that coming full circle showing where that came from, that's so cool. I want to know what happened to it though, because ever since he got his armor back, I haven't really seen it. Another thing too, I wonder if he refashioned his Tuscan robes into his current like black cloth clothing that he wears under his armor, which would be really cool. And that would bring him full circle as to showing the humility he gained through his clothing. But we'll have to wait and see. I can't wait to get more episodes and just talk more about this. This has been so much fun and it's just such a ride with all these new characters. But with that said, this has been a Bandelier Corps production. Finn McHale, signing out.